What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich Butler, and if this is your first time joining us for an episode, first of all, welcome. Second of all, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just kick-ass people on our radar and share the gadgets, gear, and technology that they use to run their businesses, create their content, or just make their lives a little easier. Now, when it comes to toys, it's not just about action figures, Funko Pops, and any of the usual stuff, but we dive into other things that many people don't consider toys, but they are to some people, cars, trucks, guns, knives, guitar picks, power tools. You'd be surprised what people obsess and collect over and consider their toys, and we embrace that broad definition here on this show. Before we get into this week's guest, a bit of a uh, of an announcement. If you didn't check out our other episode with Preston Hudman, I'm going to repeat the message I shared on that episode here, and that is that we will not be releasing an episode on July 17th. That is the reason why you are getting two episodes this week. Uh, the reasoning for that is obviously there's a some traveling and some stuff going on, which is going to impact the release schedule for an episode for that week. Of course, that may be subject to change, but as of the release of this episode, there will not be an episode on July 17th. All right, with that bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's get into this week's guest. My guest this week is Megan Ammo. She is the strategic marketing designer for the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation, SPJA, and they are the brand behind the Anime Expo, which actually is kicking off July 3rd, which is when you're probably going to be hearing this episode and runs through the July 4th holiday into the weekend. Uh, Megan started her career as a volunteer at the Anime Expo and went from being a volunteer to being an employee. And more importantly, it's a great story about following your passions, doing what you love and it paying off and becoming your career. It's it's a great story. And I really enjoyed the conversation with Megan. We not only obviously got insight into her origin story and how she got to SPJA and obviously her volunteer work, but we also discussed anime, toys, video games, and all that cool stuff as well. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to Megan and learn more about the toys and tech of her trade. Meg, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and share a little bit about the toys and tech of your trade. Yeah, so happy to be here. So let let me start off with, with something very, very interesting that, that I was told as we were preparing for, for this call. Um, you started with the Anime Expo as a volunteer and then made your way as becoming a full-fledged employee? Yes, that is correct. And um, just talk us through that a little bit. What, what made you want to volunteer for that particular event and how did you parlay that into a full-time career? So I started attending Anime Expo in 2004. Um, which is quite some time ago. And I'd been attending for many, many years since then, uh, you know, made a lot of friends at the convention, other attendees, and also volunteers. Um, and because I became friends with volunteers, you know, I kind of learned about that side of, of the event. Um, and eventually, they kind of got my older sister into volunteering and then eventually I got into volunteering um, and it, it just is a very different um, experience from attending. And 
I uh, knew that I was really interested in a marketing field. Okay. And so when an opportunity came up to volunteer um, in something marketing related at Anime Expo, I went and jumped on it. I pretty much, um, after I graduated from college, you know, I had no job. So I just volunteered at Anime Expo because, you know, it, it was uh, in July and, you know, I I graduated in, in May. So I thought, why not just kind of uh, do this for now and and see if anything happens, you know, at least if anything, I'll, I'll learn uh, a lot and have a really good experience. Um, and then evidently they thought I did a good job. So, uh, hired me later that year. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Especially because you go in as a volunteer and I'm assuming you went in because as a fan of the genre, I'm assuming that you thought, Hey, this is great. I get to have my cake and eat it too. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun definitely to kind of be a part of the event that I grew up, um, attending and, you know, the event to me, Having having grown up, you know, through middle school and high school attending Anime Expo, it, it really meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I met a lot of really good friends who liked anime and, you know, got to hang out with them every year. Uh, so then to kind of go um, and be part of, uh, you know, making things happen was definitely a really cool experience and something that I never take for granted even to this very day. Now a little bit about the the volunteer work when you were when you were doing that. How how was how was a typical day? Were you were your duties diversified? Did you have a particular area where you'd have to where you'd have to report to? How was how how was volunteering for a convention versus working as a full on employee? Just a, a a little bit of background for that. Yeah. So at Anime Expo, we have over sixty different departments and over fifteen hundred volunteers wow. that make Anime Expo possible. Um, Anime Expo is run by a nonprofit organization, um, so the volunteers really uh, they they are a big part of the event, a really big part of the heart of Anime Expo. Um, so volunteers definitely have very specific um, responsibilities whether it's um, answering questions from attendees in the info booths or kind of handling um, line control. Um, so you, you kind of have a really specific uh, role. And since becoming a, an employee, I've definitely worn a lot of different hats and done a lot of different things. Now, the, 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 when, you, when you transition to, to full-fledged employee, um, what it what did did they give you a particular title or or as you said are you just spread across a few different departments? Um, so when I first started, I was primarily brought on for social media. Okay. Um, uh, you know, handling just the kind of communications and sort of customer service aspect of social media. And since then, I have my my role has grown. Um, and I now oversee the not only the social media but a lot of the creative development art development creative direction um the merchandising um production and development and uh you know there's also opportunities where we can kind of even develop some some new ideas for for content or or cool things at anime expo now with 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 it being organized by a non non for profit i know that that has its own hurdles as well especially when you have so many conventions popping up on a on such a consistent basis 
what what makes Anime Expo stand out in that in that you know in that field? Because think about it, especially on the West Coast, there's so many. Obviously, San Diego being the big elephant in the room. How how does a uh, you know a non for profit that organizes an event like this um, find a way to stand out versus some of these other larger uh, events that that are so mainstream nowadays? Well, at Anime Expo, we definitely focus on the community and making sure that the attendees have a good time. So we want to focus on what what they want, what we do best, and um, I would say that is what really sets Anime Expo apart, is that it's it's not just an industry show. It's an annual celebration. It's a gathering, a family gathering, so to speak, you know, where um, our attendees come and meet their friends. You know, a lot of times people make friends online and then maybe they would not meet for the first time in person until Anime Expo. Right. And it's uh, really an honor to to be able to um, put together an event that means so much to people and makes an impact on their lives. And, you know, I have this story there there was a um, someone from the East Coast, I don't remember where, and he, you know, had a lot of friends online. They're all planning to go to Anime Expo. They're, a bunch of them are kind of local, and he'd never been, and they actually all pitched in to help cover his travel costs so that he could come to Anime Expo, and they could all meet and for the first time in person and um, enjoy the show. That's a, that's a very, that's a very cool thing to do. I mean, that, that's the thing sometimes that, that a lot of people lose sight of. Obviously, the internet sometimes can be a, a cruel and vicious place, but other times there's some really cool things that happen. Yeah, definitely. Now, the, the preparation for an event of this magnitude, what, how do you start planning for an event like this? Do you start planning for next year's event this year, or is there a particular structure you, you and your team follow? So, Right after Anime Expo ends, we pretty much get right back to work on the next year. <laughs> okay. We take a look at how that year went, you know, what worked, what could have been a little bit better. And we really examine thoroughly just everything that, that happened. And then from there, kind of research and, and develop ways that we can improve. Are there any metrics that you rely on for, for that type of research? There's it really depends on uh, the different areas of the convention. Okay. You know, we do definitely value feedback from our attendees. We have a survey that we send out after our event. Um, of course, there are a, there's so many different um, opinions and, and feedback that we receive. So it takes a lot of time to go through all the responses because we get thousands of responses. And a lot of times uh, feedback can be really contradictory. Like uh, maybe we'll get people say, oh, make Artist Alley bigger. And then other people will say, make Artist Alley smaller. <laughs> and uh, Or sometimes people will ask us to do things that are just not feasible because we're not magicians. Like right. people will ask us, make the rooms bigger. And it's like, I don't know how we're supposed to do that because there is a, a physically defined space. Yep. Um, so we, you know, definitely look at all the feedback and, and we're never satisfied with just keeping the status quo. We always want to innovate and bring something new 
and exciting to our attendees that will be of value to them, such as, you know, for example, we're the first convention to offer um, photo sets for cosplayers. These oh, wow. kind of really, you know, big, professionally built um, set pieces because we recognize that a lot of people really love to cosplay at, at Anime Expo and they put so much effort and hard work into their their amazing costumes. And sometimes there isn't always a, a great place to take a photo of them. So, you know, we have like a sci-fi set, um, a Japanese train, a car, a classroom set, you know, all to really help support our attendees. That's phenomenal. That's very, very awesome. I um I I think that one of the the high points, especially as as cosplaying is becoming more mainstream, I feel like cosplays because within the last five to six years, cosplays now. I don't want to say it's the norm because that's that's a misnomer, but I feel that it's just more widely regarded and people really appreciate the work that goes into a lot of these elaborate costumes. Yeah, I would definitely say that cosplay has become more well known and the word has the word itself cosplay. I remember when, you know, most people outside of the convention scene didn't even know what it meant. But nowadays, uh, I would say most everyone knows what it means. And that's really exciting. And because so many more people are aware of cosplay, you know, we we actually started a program called the Cosplay Senpai Program. Um, senpai being, uh, if you're not familiar, a term that kind of refers to uh, an upperclassman or kind of a senior person in in your life, like right. in Japanese. And the purpose of the Cosplay Senpai program is basically to uh, communicate the message that anyone and everyone can cosplay, you know, no matter what shape, size, gender um, color, age, religion, you know, no matter what, anyone and everyone can cosplay. And uh, it's really all about having fun. And we actually introduced that program a couple of years back. And to this day, to my knowledge, there's no other convention that is doing anything similar. Well, I think that a, that a big part of it, especially because there's so many different sub-genres of anime that for, for to being able being able to embrace uh, the cosplay community i mean it, it it's it's pivotal to the to the event's success because again the the cosplayers they obviously are a tight community as well and if you offer a safe space for them to showcase their costumes you know the the elaborate sets it really becomes more inviting for them and it also makes them want to showcase some of the really really hard work that they put into some of these costumes especially the real elaborate stuff Absolutely. And, you know, at Anime Expo, it's definitely about having that safe and welcoming space for attendees, you know, whether they cosplay or not. And that's why it's really important to us to make sure we're doing whatever we can to, um, you know, make sure people know that anyone and everyone can cosplay and and that we're we're ensuring making sure that this that Anime Expo is um, is a safe and welcoming space. Now, with with regards to cosplay and just the 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 event itself, I know that obviously there's there's always um, I don't want to say premier cosplays, but more widely regarded ones. Um, how do you factor in 
that type of a of, of a skill set when you want to bring someone in as as a featured guest because I think one of the toughest things for a lot of conventions and you can address this more in detail is when it comes to booking certain guests having certain featured individuals how do you vet what who's going to be there and and who's going to be represented so to clarify you're asking about um how we go about selecting our cosplay senpai yes uh one of the things that we really look for in potential cosplay senpai is their impact on the community okay are they making a positive impact on the community right now and that's something that is really, really important to us. You know, whether they are providing resources, tutorials, um, you know, doing panels, uh, just anything that that really makes a positive impact on the community. And of course, we also want to look for a, a wide variety of people to represent the Cosplay Senpai program because that's the whole mission. That's right. the whole message. You want representation to be across the spectrum in that in that in that case. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I, I mean, think. cosplay is for everyone, and how can you <laughs> communicate a message that cosplay is for everyone if you don't show that cosplay is for everyone? A hundred percent, and I think that's that's something that in, in our current climate, everybody you know, everybody wants to offer something for everyone, but sometimes there's a level of 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 barrier for certain people, some more than others. So. The fact that you strive to create this community, especially uh, with the Senpai program, is just tremendous. I think that that's probably one of the things that is is really positive about this event is the fact that you're fostering such a strong community. Because at the end of the day, the community is what drives the success of the event because a friend will tell a friend will tell a friend. Absolutely. You know, thank you so much for recognizing that. Yeah, I think I think that's something that especially in, in this, you know, in, in our current climate, like I said, where there's just I feel like there's a convention popping up every week <laughs> nowadays. There's there's especially, you know, I, I live in New York, so yeah, the, the New York area, there's always there's always a convention popping up somewhere. And it's always one of those things where you kind of get convention fatigue. But the fact that you that you and 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 your team are trying to create something that is just bigger than the convention itself is is definitely a classy move. Thank you very much. Um, we also support all the other conventions across the U.S. Um, SPGA, which is a nonprofit that runs Anime Expo, um, also runs a B2B conference called Project Anime. And one of the goals of Project Anime is to help support other anime conventions all across the U.S. and, and even around the world by uh, sharing resources, uh, providing best practices. And, you know, the goal is just to help make all of the events, all of the anime events, you know, help um, equip them with information to uh, make their events better. What's the toughest challenge you, you experience when uh, preparing for, for an event of this scale? What's the toughest part for you? Um, one of the biggest challenges would be uh, communication and probably just managing expectations. With such a big event, there is just so much going on and um, communicating it that to everyone um, is it's definitely takes a lot of time and effort. And I know that there's just so many things to do at Anime Expo that that not everyone could even physically do it all. Um, and it, it can be a little bit overwhelming because there's just there's so much to do and, and so much to prepare for and and different um, 
different people maybe need different information. Right. You know, exhibitors need different information from panelists. And uh, it is it is a lot of information. Do you feel that there is a um, a, a strong a, a strong expectation for diversity in terms of what you what what's being offered at the convention? What I mean is that let's use uh, I, I'll use uh, just for for local like New York Comic Con. The, the backbone of New York Comic Con is comic books. But now, as, as we all know, it's it's grown beyond that into movies and TV shows and video games, etc. Do you do you find yourself sometimes trying to to make sure that you don't veer too far away, meaning that if you're going to be doing a convention that focuses on anime and 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 the community of anime and then someone wants to come and promote X video game or Y video game, do you guys find yourselves either trying to not go that route and add some of those other things? Or is that something where you feel it'll add to the event itself? The core mission for SPJA, uh, the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation, is to promote Japanese animation and really inspire the world through Japanese animation and, and pop culture. So, you know, we always use that as a, a guiding factor when, uh, curating content for our event. Right. And, you know, that being said, with the way the industry has been growing and expanding, you know, the definition of anime is kind of changing. And uh, there are definitely a lot of titles that um, are produced with international teams. And just because, uh, you know, for example, Porter Robinson is an American artist, um, and his his music video for Shelter is produced by an anime studio. Right. And some people might argue that's not anime, and some people might argue it is. Um, but at the end of the day, our attendees really enjoy that kind of content. Okay. And we want to make sure that they have a good experience, and um, you know, we're always mindful that. It's going to be something that fits with the overall uh, content and theme of our event, but we're also flexible because you know the the industry is so international and yeah, global. It it, it's very vast, and 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 especially because it's it like you said, a lot of people are dipping their their toes in the pool, so to speak, with you know video games based on certain animes, soundtracks. Um, more comic book stores are starting to to, to sell manga. So there's a there's a, a a bigger there's a bigger presence, but I also feel like I was saying that a lot of conventions sometimes they get so caught up in wanting to, uh, you know, create a buzz that they start losing sight of what brought them to the dance in the first place. Mm. So I think you know I think that if it, that the approach that you're that you're that SPJA is adopting is the right way to do things because at the end of the day, anime is the backbone, and by being uh, you know that open with it and and allowing certain things to to be showcased to your audience like you said there's always going to be like the feedback is going to dictate where the next steps are so i think that if you guys started doing more you know too big of a video game presence or something else your audience would definitely let you know yeah i mean we definitely have a lot of different types of content showcased at anime expo um besides just anime there's a lot of video games, music, fashion, and we have 
continuously had positive feedback from our attendees. Um, and it's also an opportunity for, you know, Japanese musicians to uh, become known because, I mean, you know, you watch anime and, and there's the opening theme songs and the ending theme songs. And then maybe you think, oh, this, this sounds pretty cool. Let me check out some of their other work. And then before you know it, you're a fan of that artist. Absolutely. And that's like a really cool opportunity as well. Yeah, I think I think that 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 crossover appeal and just the the um the the ability for someone to find out, like you said, just a, about a certain artist or even a certain anime or a certain voice actor. I I think that that's that's massive, and I think it just adds to the appeal of of an event of this scale. Absolutely, and we're really excited to be able to showcase um you know these this brand new uh, content or. We're, you know, we're really honored to host a lot of musicians' first um, performance in the U.S. You know, this year we have um, renowned anime and game composer Yoshihiro Ike, whose work includes Tiger and Bunny and Saint Seiya and Shadowverse. He'll be making his debut international performance at Anime Expo, and it's just really cool to be able to um, provide this kind of really unique content that really is not available anywhere else in the U.S. Now, you know, taking place over the July 4th weekend, I know that it's, it's a, it's a, you know, and it's not every day I read that a convention is taking place during, uh, especially on a holiday. Um, how do you, how do you account for that? Because obviously people travel, uh, you know, were you concerned that there would be a, a drop in attendance for uh, something like that with the holiday coming into play or is it the the other side of the uh, of the coin where the the amount of people may be larger than expected because so many people are off for the holiday there are some challenges with being on a holiday um that being said anime expo has always been on july 4th weekend right and at this point it's it's definitely been like a a part of our event identity so to speak you know it's it's really a tradition and um there's also a lot of benefits to being on on a july 4th weekend holiday like you were saying you know people already have time off from work and so it makes it easier to travel um but you know given the way our attendance has grown over the last few years we don't see that there's been any kind of negative uh effect to being on July 4th weekend. Nice. There you go. Let's, uh, we're, we're going to jump into the hot seat. It's going to be just a series of rapid fire questions off the cuff. Uh, it's going to encompass some of the stuff we've talked about and then some other stuff as well. Okay. All right. So first question, what was the first anime you watched? The first anime I watched was Sailor Moon and my sister bought it, but like movies in in Japanese with subtitles right. and I was like five or six years old and I was like oh my gosh this is too this is too fast I can't read it it's too fast and then my sister said well learn how to read faster so <laughs> I learned how to read fast because of Sailor Moon. <laughs> wow that's 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 a, that's a hell of a way to do it so you picked up two things number one a favorite anime number two an extra skill. <laughs> <laughs> As as someone who oversee who oversees certain social aspects, obviously your your technology is a big part of it. Um, are you a desktop or laptop user? Laptop user. Uh, what do you use? Like the brand. Yeah. What 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 laptop? 
uh, our company issues Dell laptops. Oh, wow. You know, you're, you're one of the few people who I've asked that question that doesn't say a MacBook. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, well, MacBooks, uh, they don't work very well with shared drive technology. Ah. Because shared drives are Windows based. Yep. Absolutely. That, but you're, I'd want to say within the last, I don't know, seven or eight guests, it's been MacBook, MacBook Pro, iMac. So, so it, it's uh, refreshing to hear, to hear that somebody else is using Windows for their work. Oh, that's interesting. There you go. Now, with that said, is your mobile device an Apple device or not? It is not. Oh, Both my that. work and personal phone are Androids. Although oh. uh, other employees do have an option of iPhone or Android. Okay. And and do you like the Android ecosystem? Is it more uh, conducive to, to your work? Yes. Nice. Okay. So now, obviously, the, tying into that, when you open your phone to start your day, where's the first place you go? At work? Or? Yeah, when you, when you unlock your phone to start your day. First first uh, app you probably go Probably social media. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to make sure I didn't miss any questions from attendees. <laughs> and uh, what's your social media of choice? Are you t- Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Uh, hmm. Which do you prefer? Which do I prefer? Uh-huh. I, ooh, uh... I don't. I like. I like all of them for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because when when you when people answer that, it's always either very driven to the kind of work that they do, or very driven to how they disconnect from their work. Like some people like taking photos, so Instagram mm-hmm. becomes their thing. So interesting. Well, you know, I would have to say for someone who works in marketing and social media, I don't post a lot on social media. Really. <laughs> Yeah, is that, is I, that... I always tell myself I should post more, <laughs> and then uh, you know, especially right now, I just it's so busy that I just don't even have time. <laughs> well, in a way, I gotta say, you know, you're living in the moment, so that's not all bad. This is true. You know, you get to you get to enjoy the experiences and not worry about documenting each and every one of them. Absolutely. What's your favorite piece of technology besides your phone or your computer? My PlayStation Four. Nice. What are you playing currently? I was play. I'm currently, well, I'm not currently playing right now because I've been too busy. Um, but I'm in the middle of Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep. Oh wow, that's uh, they did such a great job with that game. I've been trying to finish uh, in all the Kingdom Hearts games before I do Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> nice, that's that's the way to do it. Are you are you excited? About the where Sony's going with the next PlayStation? Are you going to be one of the people that's going to early adopt? Or are you going to hold out and squeeze as much as you can out of your PS4? I will probably hold out and use my PS4 for as long as I can. <laughs> nice. What was the first video game you played? Kingdom Hearts. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, first like console video game. Before that was Pokemon Red. Uh, there you go. Does that count too? Absolutely, Pokemon is a is a is a vice for many of us. I mean, I'm st- <laughs> here. I am. Sometimes I'll go out and I'll still play Pokemon Go on my phone. So <laughs> that's definitely still a thing. Yeah. Did you know that we're hosting um, an exclusive screening of the newest Pokemon movie? No, I did not know that. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and it's going to be in Japanese with the Japanese voice actress for Ash. Oh, people are going to love that. Yeah, we're super excited about it. That's tremendous. Um, what is something you've purchased recently that is less than $100 that's made your life easier or more enjoyable? Um, 
what have I purchased recently that's made my life easier or more enjoyable? Yep. Could be anything. Um, less than well, I recently purchased something for work that was less than $100. Um, it's a flag and a flag holder um, because for Anime Expo, when we open the exhibit hall, we actually have a ribbon cutting ceremony. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, the ribbon is cut by a special guest. And then we have taiko drummers playing when it first opens, and it's super exciting and fun. Um, and signaling the taiko drummers is a little bit challenging because okay. I'm short. I'm like five feet tall. Okay. <laughs> and, and they're probably like 200 feet away, and there's a lot of people in front of me. So I bought a three by five foot flag. So hopefully they will see me more easily <laughs> this year so I can signal them to start playing. There you go. So we've talked about the tech. I want to obviously we got to talk a little bit about toys because that's that's what we talk about here too. Um, what was your favorite toy growing up? Favorite toy growing up? Oh, I have not thought about the toys that I used growing up in a long time. Um, well, I I, I played with Barbies. Okay. I I always wanted an Easy Bake Oven, but I never got one because I was too shy to ask my parents. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I guess I was kind of a, a, a doll person okay. as, a, as a kid and stuffed animals. I did like stuffed animals a lot too. Now being, being so immersed in anime culture, did you buy any collectibles based on any of your favorite anime? Yes. I held out for a very long time on starting to, to buy figurines because I knew once I bought one, yep, that wouldn't be the last one. <laughs> Um, so I primarily like to collect Nendroids. Oh, nice. Because they're super cute. And the one that got me, the first one, was Cardcaptor Sakura. Okay. I don't have very many of them. Um, actually, I have a pretty large Tsum Tsum collection, too. Oh, all right. Yeah, the the Tsum Tsum's become very, very addicting because it's such a low barrier of entry. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Although Disney hasn't really been making as many now. Um, but it seems like there's more anime plushies that are made in a similar style. So I'll probably end up collecting those too. Nice. That's very, very cool. Um, if there was, if somebody asked you to recommend them an anime currently to watch, what would you recommend? Um, one that is airing right now. Or, or, or just a favorite of yours that's, that, that you've seen recently. Hmm. Probably. Probably JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, although it's not for everyone. Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one hundred percent sure. I remember the first time a few years back I tried to watch it. I'm like, I can't do it because somebody had lent me the uh, they had done a video game for it, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, this kind of cool. And then I tried to watch it. I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but the good thing the good thing about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is the different arcs do have like different feels to them. So, you know, kind of depending on what you're more interested in, maybe one JoJo arc is a better fit for you, you know, to kind of start with than right. say starting from the beginning. Absolutely. I think I think that's a that is a great approach for it. I think um that that's a that's a solid recommendation. I was unsure if I, I was curious if you were going to recommend Sailor Moon as well, but uh, you surprised me. <laughs> I have very varied interest in anime. Yeah, I've been, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of, you know, I've been watching Dragon Ball Super lately, and I really just got into One Punch Man 
mm-hmm. um so much so that i ended up like buying an action a, a figure of of him from my from my office <laughs> nice so yeah that, i um i've been kind of going through that and i just re- recently started like binge watching my hero academia and that's oh my hero academia is really good oh my god Wait, it's I feel so like I tremendous should have recommended my hero academia <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good and, and and as somebody who grew up reading comic books i see so many great like comic book tones mm-hmm. in the in the anime that it's just mm-hmm. it's just a stellar stellar watch you know what i love about my hero academia is it explores themes that you don't see in comic books you know Agreed. namely really examining why people want to be heroes or why people want to be villains. And I feel like in comic books, you just kind of are thrown into it and you don't really get a choice. Right. Um, so it's a really uh, unique uh, idea to be exploring in My Hero Academia. I, and, you know, it, it, when I first started watching, I remember I was like, um, you know, when they introduced Bakugo, I was like, wow, he's 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 so going to be a villain. And he's not, you know, it's just he's he's kind of a reflection of, of you know, most antiheroes that you grow up becoming a fan of. So like seeing that uh, initially, I was I was really thrown for a curveball with that show. And I thought that that was really well done. Yeah, My Hero Academia is definitely very popular. And uh, we're really honored to have been able to host the world premiere uh, or the premiere of the um uh, movie last year. And then this year we're premiering the season four. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And that doesn't air until October. So it's super exciting and special to be able to uh, showcase that at Anime Expo. And then just the experience of being in a room, you know, with thousands of other fans. It's it's just so different than than kind of watching it at home. It, it, I, it's funny you say that. I went to a to a screening here when they did um, uh, Dragon Ball Resurrection F and um I had never seen like Dragon Ball in a movie theater. I've been watching Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and everything else, you know, just at home and tape trading back in the old days. And to see like people like genuinely excited for transformations and certain characters being on screen, it was, it was so cool. Cause that's something I usually see if I go to see, you know, the Avengers or something of that scale. But to see that for anime, um, I ended up seeing, uh, Broly at a, at a screening just at like, midnight or 2 a.m. and people were just super excited and like when Broly came on screen people went crazy I was like am I in the right place like it was just so (laughs) so refreshing and so fun to see especially because it's not often you get to see you know anime features like that and I mean real anime ones on the big screen yeah absolutely it's it's very cool to see that um, more and more anime movies are available in theaters like pretty much every month there's something playing and um and and going to see these screenings, it's it's really more of like an experience and kind of a, a gathering of fans too, which is really cool. Absolutely. Um, if you could have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? What would you talk about? And what would you eat? Uh, uh <laughs> who would I who would I have dinner with? Hmm. You know, in in all the time that I've been doing this, I. I don't really think of think too much about any um, of like the celebrities or talent that I meet. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it, really hard. <laughs> the, you know, what's funny about that question though, I, you know, you don't have to be relegated to, to a celebrity. It could be, you know, a family member. It could be, you know, oh. just, yeah. Yeah. I, I always like to give that because you, uh, everyone's answer is so different. 
you know, some people can say, you know, Gandhi or some people can say yeah. an actor or, you know, their grandparent who they never got to meet. So, the, you know, what? I was actually thinking that when you said it didn't have to be a celebrity, I was thinking um, probably my my grandparents. OK, um, that I never got to meet. Yeah. On, on my mom's side, I'm I'm like the youngest and she was the youngest. So right. just because of like that big, you know, the age gaps, um, I, I never got to meet her parents okay and um what would you what what would you ask them what would you want to talk about i would like to kind of ask them about their lives and i would eat filipino food if possible i would probably ask my my grandmother to cook nice um yeah that's no i mean (laughs) definitely eat filipino food because it's you know the whole is connecting with roots and family Absolutely. I've had, uh, you know, I've had some Filipino dishes, not too many. I had a coworker. I remember he bought a, he bought balut into the office. I didn't know what to do with myself when he showed it to me. <laughs> I'm like, I can't eat that, but it was, it was just crazy like that. But, um, you know, being, being Hispanic myself, there's so many parallels between Filipino cuisine and Spanish food mm-hmm. that, you know, that when I, when there's a Filipino place close by and when i go in there it's like oh you know we do the rice and chicken and i'm like oh it's it's similar to how we do rice and chicken so it's, it's funny to like to see so many so many parallels in that yeah there's some great uh, filipino restaurants in in new york that have opened up in the last few years nice um last question where would you like to see anime expo a year from now what's a what's a goal that you would like for the event to accomplish um let's see my goals for the event are just kind of being able to do things better and earlier every year. Okay. And Thanks. I would love to um, work with more artists for our, you know, like program guide cover art, our merchandise art. Uh, it's a really great opportunity to give back to the community. So I, I would definitely want to keep keep doing that keep working with um artists whether they're american or japanese or both you know this these last couple of years we have worked with some artists who are you know in in our artist alley um this year's program guide features art from the original character designer of our mascots and last year's art um i have con- I have a really good story <laughs> so i didn't know this when i decided to work with um, this artist. Her She goes by Lucid Sky. Okay. Um, I just thought her style, you know, kind of looked like it fit with, with Anime Expo style. And um, when I asked her for, like, some information about you know, her story and how, you know, her experience attending Anime Expo, she told me that Anime Expo was the first convention that she, like, traveled to go be a part of because she's from Minnesota. Okay. And she didn't know what to expect from that event. So she sold out a product really fast. And so she went to the staples down the street to print more um, more art pieces. And while she was there, she saw another person with an Artist Alley badge who is in the same predicament that she is in. And they got to talking. And fast forward a couple years later, and they are now married. Wow. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's a hell of a story then, you know, you go there <laughs> to work and you end up meeting your soulmate. That's that's a, an awesome way to bring things full circle. Last question, which is our reach one, teach one, just to give our, our listeners some additional value. Um, Mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice for someone that's looking to transition much like you did from the volunteer space into working for a convention, whether at the front office or organizing their own? Well, I'd say definitely get involved, um, get involved with conventions, with events, um, you know, get your feet wet, get experience and, you know, first off, find out if it's something that you really is, if it's really the good fit for you. Um, because to be frank, event running is, is very stressful. (laughs) I think if you look at like those lists of most stressful jobs, like event planning is, is up there. Um, I mean, I, I love it, but I don't think it's for everyone. So Mm -hmm. definitely, um, try it out. You know, anything that you're interested in, try it out. If you have opportunities to do internships, do them, um, so that you can just get experience and see if, if you like doing that, that thing or not, um, yeah, just get involved and be proactive. Okay. And uh, last but not least, if people wanted to keep up with you, where could they find you? Um, follow Anime Expo on yep. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anime Expo. All right. um, and if they wanted to follow me, even though I said I don't post a lot. Um, <laughs> That's me helping I, you out. <laughs> That's me throwing you a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my handle is uh, Megwa Love M E G W A L O B, and that's on which ones? On oh, on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, Meg, I really thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and share the toys and tech of your trade. Thank you very much for having me. That wraps up our conversation with Megan Ammo. To find out more about the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation, as well as the Anime Expo, make sure to check out the links in the show notes for this episode. If you want to follow Megan, give her some love and help her grow her followers, I'll make sure to include links to Megan's social media accounts as well. We're also going to include links for the toys and tech that we discussed. As always, full disclosure, those may contain affiliate links, which if you click... We may receive a small commission, which, of course, goes towards making RageWorks and all of our platforms and shows bigger, better, and more awesome for you guys. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade and would like to share your story, you can email me, rich at rageworks.net. You can also use that email if you have any questions for future Q&A episodes or have any other feedback or concerns you would like us to address. Again, rich at rageworks.net. You can find us on social media via all the usual social media outlets. No need to rattle them off here. Links to them all will be in the show notes for this episode. Last but not least, a reminder that we will not be releasing an episode on July 17th. With that said, I hope you guys enjoy the 4th of July holiday if you're here in the U.S. And hopefully you guys have a safe, happy, and healthy 4th. We'll see you guys at the end of the month. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.